Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. From the South Street Seaport in Lower Manhattan, I am Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guest today will be on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Dan Graziano, NFL Insider, in about 10 minutes, and where the Houston Texans are going from here, and who might be right behind them. Could the answer be in Atlanta? Could the answer be right here in New York? Answers to those questions and more when he joins me in a moment. But first, I'll answer for you the following question. Who were the biggest winners in the NFL last night? Ironically, neither of them are the teams that won. Green Bay was sensational. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers in a moment. Kansas City was very average. And we'll talk about the team that they beat right now. The second biggest winner of the night last night was Bill Belichick. The Patriots absolutely had the Chiefs right where they wanted them last night. And Belichick was done in. The Patriots were done in on the special Monday night football that was played because of the coronavirus circumstance involving Cam Newton and the Patriots. Bill Belichick was done in by two circumstances. One of them, you could argue, was his own making. The other one, he has no responsibility in. That call last night, where they call Patrick Mahomes in the grasp, is unquestionably the worst call of the NFL season so far, and an extraordinarily important one. The Patriots had this game right where they wanted it. I've been watching Belichick do this for two decades. He, when he goes up against these great offenses, and he knows he has no chance of matching them score for score, particularly without Cam available, but this is the game he wants even if Cam is his quarterback. This is the game he wants if Brady is his quarterback. This is the game he had Kansas City in in the AFC Championship two years ago where they only ran 47 plays in a game that wound up in overtime. He had it exactly where he wants it. 6-3 in the second quarter, and he's waiting for the other team to make the big mistake, and he gets it. Mahomes fumbles. He gets hit. He's going to the ground. The ball pops out. Patriots are going to be in plus territory. You're going to have a chance to go ahead, take the lead. They've got the game right where they want it. And they rule Mahomes in the grasp in a call that was inexplicable. Tony Carrente, the referee, tried to explain later that, well, he was, he was in control of a defender. And there were other defenders coming who were trying to avoid injury. Look, I've been watching football a long time, including every game this season. That's not the end of the play. That play was by no means over. That's one of the fastest, worst, first fast whistles you'll see anywhere, anytime this entire season. Just terrible. To see the Patriots on the wrong end of a bad call is unusual. It's jarring. Kind of hard to get used to. But in this case, they definitely were. And that completely turns the game around. The other piece of this, the part of it that Bill was in control of, is he played the wrong quarterback. Uh, Brian Hoyer, that was terrible. He played himself directly out of this opportunity. Hoyer probably doesn't go anywhere because in this day and age of the coronavirus, you probably need three quarterbacks on your roster. But that's the last we'll see of him unless the other two guys are not available. It's one thing to make the mistakes that he made and to be as unspectacular as he is at his age. But to allow the clock to run out without points at the end of the first half, those are two plays that decide this game. He's holding Mahomes down. Belichick has it right where he wants it. And for Hoyer to take that sack was inexcusable. For a rookie quarterback, that's a a terrible mistake. 
For a veteran who is basically there just because of his savvy, that is genuinely inexcusable. That is sort of the definition of you had one job. Your job was to be the the savvy veteran pro who doesn't make the inexcusable mistake. Well, that was the inexcusable mistake. And at that moment, you know the game is over. They didn't get the fumble from Mahomes. They didn't get the field goal at the end of the half. You just know that they're not going to hold Kansas City down the rest of the day. It's just not possible. And the final score, obviously not indicative of how even this game was. If you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. You have the big mistakes by the Patriots. Then you have a ball that goes right through the hands of Julian Edelman that winds up going the other way for a pick six for Matthew. That's the one big mistake of the night last night that wasn't made by a Patriot quarterback. But that game was pretty close. And so I would say the Patriots were the second biggest winner of the night. I told you yesterday, and I will say it again, they're going to win that division. They got lucky in that the game that they had no chance to win. This is a game they should have gotten obliterated in. They didn't know if they were going to play when they woke up Monday morning. Then they had to first fly to Kansas City. They spent all week prepping for this game with Cam Newton and then found out they weren't going to have him Saturday. This is a game they should have lost by 100 points. They're playing the best team in the NFL on the road under those circumstances, and it was as close as this was. Patriots acquitted themselves very well. And Buffalo, in the next five weeks, has to play the Titans, the Steelers, the Pats, and the Chiefs. Five weeks from now, New England will be in first place in the AFC East, assuming Cam comes back and can play. If Cam doesn't play, then all bets are off. But if he's got Cam Newton, the Patriots are the team to beat in the AFC East. And that is why I say Bill was the second biggest winner of the night. Cam was the biggest. Cam Newton could have just sat there last night and watched the money roll in. Just... One of those things like a slot machine, just seeing it roll around. How much money do you want? How much money are you going to give me now, guys? How much money are you going to give me now? Cam Newton is only 31 years old. Cam Newton is going to get another huge payday, and don't be surprised if it's in New England because he is exactly the weapon that Belichick has never had. This is what, what Cam Newton does is what pro football looks like in 2020. He was ahead of his time, and he can still do it. And if everything else was equal last night, and he's on the field. They win that game. So the Patriots, I think, were a big winner last night in the scheme of things. And Cam Newton was the biggest winner. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. I'll get Graziano win in a minute. Let me get to the second game first. Aaron Rodgers, A.A. Ron, is the best we have ever seen him. Aaron Rodgers has been, at his best, the best quarterback I ever saw. He's better than that now. He's better than he was on that Super Bowl run where he was unconscious. He's playing as well at the position as the position can be played. Who is he throwing to last night? Who are these people? The great quarterbacks put more teammates' kids into private school than anybody. Peyton Manning did it, and now Aaron Rodgers is doing it. Who are the people he's playing with last night? And somehow he manages to put 30 points on the board, albeit against a bad defense. I get it. But that was a game I thought they might really be in trouble. No Devontae Adams, no Lazard. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as you saw last night, is a very average player. Imagine how good the Packers would be if they were being run by people who had any idea what they're doing. Imagine if you had gotten him real help in the draft this year. 
I'm certainly glad Jordan Love is on their bench to watch all of this. He's going to have the best seat in the house as this legendary quarterback falls just short again because they just don't have the horses on the offense. If he had the teammates that Russell Wilson has in Seattle, if he had the teammates that Tom Brady has in Tampa, imagine what Aaron Rodgers might be right now. Imagine what he would be. Imagine what his career would be if he had played for an organization where people who were running it had any idea what they were doing. I've been saying it for a long time. To have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback for 15 years only make it to one Super Bowl is an organizational underachievement. And it's not on Rodgers. It's on the people running the team. And they showed it to you this year. They're going to fall just short again, even though Rodgers is playing better than anybody. Because he just doesn't have the horses. He doesn't have the help. You'd get him in a shootout with Russell Wilson. He just doesn't have the ammunition. And Brady, I think, has a better team top to bottom. But it is fascinating that in the NFC right now, you look at the top of that conference, and the three names you see are all first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Russell Wilson in Seattle, Tom Brady in Tampa, and the great Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, who, again, his team let him down this offseason. He's going on a scorched-earth tour. He has every reason to be as aggravated as I have no doubt he is. He's handling it extraordinarily well. And the relationship, I think, between him and the coach now actually looks pretty good. And in the second year in this offense, he looks incredibly comfortable. And they're about one or two pieces on that offense away from winning the Super Bowl. If he does it with this team, it's one of the great quarterback achievements of all time. Greeny with you on on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let me go to the Shell Pennzoil performance line and bring in my NFL insider extraordinaire, Dan Graziano, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Dan, who when last I saw him was sitting right here at this table where I'm sitting right now and has now made his way back to his palatial estate in Fairfield County, Connecticut. And let's get into the news of the day yesterday, Dan. It took me by great surprise when I saw your report middle of the afternoon that the Texans had made the decision to fire Bill O'Brien. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was not working that story and got a random text out of the blue. O'Brien fired, and then we had to run it down and get it confirmed and get it out there. But, uh, yeah, surprise. Look, I mean, you can you can make it make sense, right? I mean, you know, the, the moves as GM, the questionable trades and signings and trading away draft picks, trading away DeAndre Hopkins. And then on top of that, starting 0-4, uh, yeah, you can certainly see why. And, and O'Brien himself acknowledged as much yesterday in his press conference that it wasn't, uh, you know, a ridiculous decision or anything. So, um, yeah, surprised they did it this early in the season. Not sure what the advantage they gain is in terms of that. It's not like they're going to hire their next coach anytime soon. They have to wait till the end of the year. But, you know, they decided they weren't going anywhere with him and uh, they wanted to try and go somewhere without him. I do always think, because my mind just works this way, that there has to be some reason why they did it this quickly. And the two that would make sense to me would be, A, there was some sort of event that took place behind the scenes. Is Deshaun Watson particularly frustrated? Is he angry? Something like that. Or B, there's someone they have their eye on, i.e. maybe a very high-profile college coach, that they want to get a head start on. Is there any reason to believe either of those two might be true? No, I, I really don't think so. I, I think it's just a matter of, look, uh, look, 0-4 is is a tough hole to crawl out of. And if you feel like you're not going anywhere with the guy, you know, maybe it gives the, the young coordinators they have a chance to kind of shine, show what they can do with a little more responsibility. And then maybe one or both of them gets into the mix uh, in terms of, of your head coach interviews. And I, I don't think there was a player revolt. I mean, I was the, the sense I got yesterday was the players were surprised by this, including Watson, that they didn't see it coming. So, 
Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, just a good old fashioned case of it's not working. So we're going to make a change and uh, and, and they're moving forward. Greeny and Graziano with you on the Shell Pento performance line. Two other places where the coaches seats seem to be hotter than the one in Houston are the one in Atlanta, where Dan Quinn fell to 0-4 last night, and in New York, where Adam Gase and the Jets are 0-4. What are we hearing about those situations? Well, it seemed like indications coming out of the Jets' loss last Thursday was that you know they were not going to move on Adam Gase, that they were going to give him the rest of the season, and it seems like ownership wants that to be known. So uh, at this point, you know, we, if we take them at their word, he gets the season, and then they assess based on a two-year sample. Things could always change. You never know how bad things are going to get, but it's hard to, you know, as I'm sure you know, see them getting a lot worse uh, for the Jets than they've been so far. And uh, Atlanta, you know, 0-4, but he started, Quinn started 1-7 and last year, pulled it out of the fire, got another year. At some point, the slow starts and, and not contending are going to catch up with him, but he's a guy that's really well-regarded and well-liked in that building, and, and it may well be that even if they're going to move on at the end of the year, they don't want to do something during the season. I could certainly look like an idiot two hours from now if, uh, if I'm wrong and, and they do decide to do it. But I know that it's not the ownership there is not eager to fire Dan Quinn. They would rather make it work with him. And if it's not working, then I, I think the most likely outcome is they find a way to, to do it uh, amicably and respectfully. Graziano with me on ESPN Radio. So those are the places where the seats are hot. We saw the move that was made in Houston yesterday. We talked this morning on Get Up, Dan, about the possibility of Dabo Sweeney being the replacement in Houston, ultimately. And that name will come up just because of his connection to the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. For whatever this is worth, I have a tweet here from Grace Rayner. Sweeney Sweeney was asked about that job this morning and said that he has not talked to Deshaun Watson. And as far as the job, quote, that is not even anything that I want to even have to think about which is not the same thing, Dan, as saying, I'm not going to the Houston Texans. Um, is there any, and of course he could say that, we've seen it in the past, Nick Saban said he wasn't going to be the coach at Alabama, and he is, of course, the coach of Alabama. But is there any reason for people to be connecting the dots with Dabo Sweeney in this situation? No, I don't think that's something that we have to watch out for. Look, I mean, the dots are going to get connected because of the relationship with the quarterback, but you know that came up in conversations yesterday and last night, and and uh, I, I've, I'm pretty much being told that's not an avenue that we have to go down in terms of uh, of reporting on this. I think he's very comfortable and happy where he is, and um, I think you know obviously he loves Deshaun Watson, but I don't know that that's that's going to lure him to the NFL and all that comes with it. So I, I would be surprised if they went that direction. All right. One more thing for you, Graziano, on a completely different subject. You had the reporting for us this morning about the latest with the Tennessee Titans. They had no more positive tests. So just catch everyone up on where that stands. I, I think all the fans really care about is, is their game with Buffalo going to be played this weekend? So take us right. through what has to happen there. Well, it's more likely than it was 24 and 48 hours ago because the Titans have had two consecutive days now with no positive tests. And that's a big deal because, remember, they, they had two or three a day for just about a week. And so if that had continued, then they have to start talking about rescheduling games. So they have not been in their facility since last Monday, uh, and they're not going to be there today. The second consecutive day of, of no positive tests 
means the league may allow them to open the facility tomorrow and return to practice. And if that happens, of course, then they have a regular practice week in advance of their game Sunday against Buffalo. Probably even if they don't get back there till Thursday, they can probably play that game too. But, you know, they want to make sure there's not another rash of positives uh, overnight tonight and tomorrow morning. Assuming that the, the, the trend continues and that everybody tests negative for a third straight day, I would think you can move forward thinking that, that this is going to be a normal week for them and that game gets played. But, you know, the league is investigating what went on there, whether protocols were followed, whether they were violated, and if they find that changes need to be made at the Titans facility before it can reopen, that's the priority that will rule the day. So I think it's more likely than it was a day or two ago that they play this week, but nothing this year is 100% certain. Right, and with that thought in mind, my last question to you is this. This was... I'm not going to say it was easy to reschedule their game against Pittsburgh, but it was made easier by the fact that neither of those teams had had their bye week yet. Uh, That's soon going to stop being the case, right? These teams are going to start having their regularly scheduled bye weeks. And once you get past that, if a team is unable to play on a given weekend, rescheduling it becomes a lot more complicated. Are they prepared, to your knowledge, to move everything around? Which is to say, are, are they prepared to possibly have to move the Super Bowl back a week, two weeks, or whatever the case might be in the event that they need to create that kind of flexibility in the schedule? Yeah, everything is on the table. Look, there's a you know talk of, do they just sort of create a week 18 between the regular season and the start of the playoffs to sort of dump all the games that have to be rescheduled uh, into there? And that could work. But the pushback on that is that the teams that get the one seed for the playoffs are then maybe going to go three whole weeks without playing a game, right? Because they'll have that week off and then they'll have the bye week. So they don't really want to do that to those teams. So I, I think that there, look, there's no perfect solutions. You're right. They kind of got lucky with Pittsburgh-Tennessee because they only had to move one other game and they only had to move it a week, that, that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game in week seven, week eight, whichever it is now. Uh, but you're right, the bye weeks have started. Detroit and Green Bay are off this week. So they don't have, if one of their games has to be rescheduled, there's not a place to put it. And that's why the league yesterday sent out this memo trying to to drive home the point. These protocols have to be followed because if we have to keep rescheduling games, there are going to be consequences. And for the first time publicly, the league raised the possibility that team would have to forfeit a game if it couldn't be rescheduled and that team was found to be responsible. So yeah, again, everything is on the table, but yes, to answer your question, they are prepared to do that and push things back in terms of the postseason. They would rather not. All right, Graziano, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you. Anytime. That's Dan Graziano with me here. He's with me this morning on, on get up. He'll be back tomorrow morning. Does a terrific job with all of the inside uh, stuff uh, when it comes to the NFL. And look, that whole thing, I've been talking about this with you now for the last two weeks on this show. We just have to get used to that. And I think the NFL has done a terrific job. There was a moment in time over this weekend that it didn't feel to you, if if you're like I am on Twitter, and you're seeing all of these stories flying in, there was a moment in time when it looked like the Saints had a positive test, and the Chiefs had a positive test, and Cam Newton had tested positive, and the Titans aren't playing this weekend. And is the Kansas City-New England game he had played this weekend. And all of a sudden, it felt like this thing is drifting away. It's getting away. The season is getting away from them in this blink of an eye. And it'll be fascinating to see. They seem to have gotten it all back under control. All those games, every game that was scheduled to be played this weekend was played. And if the worst thing that happens is that a team has to wind up playing on a Monday that was supposed to play on a Sunday, in the scheme of things, that's obviously not a tragedy. 
And so if that's where we wind up, then it, this will chalk that up as one of the great wins you could ever imagine for the NFL. But I think it would be unrealistic to expect it not to get a lot more complicated than that at some point. And we'll see. I think flexibility is going to have to be the operative word. Okay, uh, I have done a lot of talking so far. Next up, it's going to be your turn. I'm inviting you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. My phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football is back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you. Treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Here's today's theme. It's been too long since we've had, in my opinion, an airing of grievances. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. 888-SAY-ESPN. It is time for the airing of grievances. Let me hear what has you aggravated as a football fan today. Lord knows I have plenty. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Rolling along on a Tuesday, Greeny with you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. Delighted you were with me and we're coming to your phones to air your grievances in just a moment. But first, I, I just as I was getting set to come back here, Field Yates with a terrific tweet about just how good the Packers have been offensively. And again, I, I will continue to remind you Aaron Rodgers is doing this with Mirrors and Aaron Jones. The Packers are the first team in NFL history to begin a season with four straight games of at least 30 points and zero turnovers. They're also the only team to rank right now in the top five in passing yards per game and in rushing yards per game. Boy, have they been good. Meanwhile, it's time for the airing of grievances. The tradition of Festivus begins... With the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. So the first grievance this morning is going to come from a longtime Greeny confidant, Patriot Ray, 
who texted me, flying into Kansas City the day of the game, that's not exactly down the road. Could the NFL have had them play on Tuesday? Here's my response to Patriot Ray. I think Belichick would rather have played last night than play Tuesday and have to come back and play again Sunday. They play Denver Sunday. That's a game they figure to win. They got to bank that win even if they don't have Cam Newton. They're better off playing that game last night when they did. Meanwhile, now coming to your calls for your grievances. Let's start with Glenn. Glenn, you're on with Greeny on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. What's your grievance? My grievance is officiating. To watch that referee make that call last night, I mean, I'm just sick of watching officiating change games. I mean, it's just the angles we can see, and then they can't be challenged, and I mean, it's just egregious to me, and it just drives me crazy when I'm watching that. That that call was ridiculous. Glenn, I think generally speaking, the officiating this year has been a lot less obtrusive. There have been, I actually have statistics here. I want to get through a few more grievances, but I will read you stats from a story that was sent to me right before I came on the air here about how they are calling up, and this is designed, they are making far fewer calls, and that's been noticeable as a fan. It has been more enjoyable. But that call, Glenn, you're 1,000% right. It completely changes the game, and it was a terrible call. Chad, you're next on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Chad, air your grievance. Greeny, man, I'm back to talk about the Cowboys, man. Here we are again. Once again, 500 foot even worse than we were before. Look, staring down 8-8. Eight eight. I'm calling for Mike Nolan's job, man. A defensive coordinator, you're, we're horrible. We are trash on defense, and you can see it. You can see it. Our, 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 our stars, they're not in place to make plays. We're giving up big plays. They're high, you're highlighting how bad we are. We're notoriously bad. Come on now. I'm with Mike you. Mike Nolan, you got to go. I'm with that. But, Chad, leave Chad on a second. I'm going to make Chad feel better. Chad, you want me you want to feel better? I'm going to make you feel better right now. Tell me if this makes well, you we, feel better. We play the Giants next week. <laughs> you, you play the Giants and the Cardinals the next two weeks. The Eagles have to play Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So when you call me two weeks from now, Chad – you're going to be sitting in first place in the admittedly terrible NFC East. Does that make you feel better? With the worst defense in the league, I don't know. Because you know that that's not championship football, Greeny. Come on now. I love it. I love the Chad, I love the grievance. You couldn't be more right. You're obviously right. Their defense is embarrassing. It's just terrible. Jerry Jones said on his regular radio appearance today that he's not planning on making a change in the defensive coaching staff. I'll tell you this. If Danny Dimes lights him up for 400 yards this weekend, they may have to consider it. Thomas, you're next with Greeny. Thomas, air your grievance. So people need to stop hollering about Tua in Miami. We have been a firmly mediocre team for 30 years now. Dolphins fans have been putting up with this for decades. Now we have a coach in his second year who looks to have a grasp on the right direction. We've still got tons of draft capital coming, and we want to throw this kid in now, just a year removed from a pretty serious hip injury, ankle injury, he was a mess when he came out. Settle down. We've been putting up with this nonsense for 30 years. Finally, a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's not run into the oncoming train just yet. I like it, Thomas. I like to take. Here's the only thing I'll say. If you look at how well Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are playing, I understand where the Dolphin fan is thinking, well, wait a minute, how about my guy? Like, you're telling me he's healthy enough to be the backup now. If he's healthy enough to go in the game, why isn't he the best option I have? I understand that frustration. If you're telling me he's not ready to play yet because of the injury in college, I totally get it. 
But then how is he the backup? He's one hit away from going in no matter what happens. So I don't fully understand the way that thing is working out. But I agree with you. At the end of the day, when he starts to play should be dictated by whatever is best for his development. That part of it I totally agree with. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Scott, you're next. Scott, air your grievance. Hello, Mr. Greeny. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, my grievance is against my Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. front office. Um, we have all the draft picks. We could have picked up DeAndre Hopkins and or Stefan Diggs, and they didn't either. And now we've got, I don't even know who trying to catch the ball. I'm with you. Look, they, I mean, yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was like, they are supposedly one of the best front offices in football. I don't understand why they couldn't have pulled the trigger on any of that. Cause that's any of that's better than anything they could have got in the draft. You know, I hear you, Scott. Thank you for the call. I feel like a lot of this summer we were talking about how good the Eagles were going to be, how much better the, it looked or the offense looked around Carson Wentz. And then the offensive line injury started to happen. And that's, I feel like, where it all went. Now you got injuries everywhere. That team gets banged up every single year. So obviously you're right. Would they look better with DeAndre Hopkins? Would the quarterback look better with Hopkins or Diggs? Of course. Of course. Who wouldn't give up a number one for those guys? Much less the second round picks that they wound up going for. Time for one more. Fonzie, you're on with Greeny. Go ahead, Fonzie. Air your grievance. That the New York Jets aren't considering firing Adam Gates. They're going to mess up Sam Darnold. Okay. I had a hard time hearing him. Did he say his, his grievance is with the Jets because they're considering firing Gase or because they haven't fired Gase? I had a hard time they hearing what... They're not even considering firing Gase. That they're not even considering firing Gase. I'm having a hard time understanding what Fonzie is trying to say. And Fonzie, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Nuno, was he saying that he's upset? That, that they, they haven't fired Gaze or that he, they may fire Gaze? He's upset that they're not even considering firing oh. Gaze. Oh, they're considering it. They, 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 can't, they can't do it now. Fonzie, let this be an excellent lesson to you. They can't even consider firing him because the owner came out and made the atrociously stupid remark that the coach has, has a brilliant offensive mind. And so Christopher Johnson, who once famously allowed Mike McKagan to do absolutely everything, spend all the free agent money and run the entire draft and then fired him two weeks later, can't now turn around and say the coach has a brilliant offensive mind and fire him two weeks later. It's called incompetent ownership. And it's the biggest problem a lot of sports teams have. Thank you all very much for the calls. Thank you for the grievances. I do have this note on NFL uh, scoring, which is connected to NFL officiating, which I will pass along coming, uh, coming up. And then... The biggest name to watch the rest of this NFL season isn't a player. In fact, he isn't even in the NFL. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. I do leave knowing that myself and the staff gave everything this organization deserved and more. Professional football is a bottom-line business. Your results determine your future. Greeny continuing with you here on ESPN Radio. Always heard the voice of, well, first of Bill O'Brien, who was fired yesterday in Houston, and then of Marcus Spears, who'll join me live in 15 minutes with his perspective on all things football. But first, I'll give you mine. It's time for my Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that is this, the most fascinating name to follow in the NFL the rest of this season is not only not a player, he isn't in the NFL. Now, I know that Dabo Sweeney said he hasn't, he doesn't even want to think about the situation uh, in Houston right now. But I'm telling you, there's too much smoke for there not to be some fire. And this is not coming from me. Dabo Sweeney, I've not spoken to him in years. I don't, I'm not pretending I have any communication or contact or insight into his plans. But too many people are talking about it. Too many people who are in a position to know are talking about Dabo Sweeney ultimately making a jump to the NFL. And the two places that you would immediately consider are Houston, because A, they have an opening, but maybe more importantly, B, they have Deshaun Watson, the quarterback that won a championship with Dabo in college, almost won a second, and Dabo once referred to him as Michael Jordan. And then the other is wherever Trevor Lawrence winds up. Trevor Lawrence will wind up with whatever team has the first pick in the draft. There's always a pretty good chance if you were the worst team in the NFL, you're going to fire your coach, and if you might get a chance at getting a guy like Dabo Sweeney, any team might fire their coach anyway. So that's the one to keep an eye on, one way or the other. For what it's worth, Paul Feinbaum, who is one of those people who are very plugged in and very connected to this stuff, doesn't see it happening. Here's what he said on his radio show, Paul Feinbaum show, about the possibility of Dabo in Houston. I don't think so. Uh, certainly Deshaun Watson is Dabo Sweeney's uh, famous, uh, most, one of his most favorite players and the player that really put him on the map. Um, but but I, I just don't think Dabo wants any part of that. And, and, and just all you have to do is look at O'Brien's past. I mean, moderate success, and he's gone uh, before we get to the second weekend in, in October. And, and Dabo Sweeney has one of the greatest jobs in the world. He's making $9 million a year. He lives in a comfortable small town where he is the king. Nothing really is going to change that. So that's Paul's view of it. Again, I don't have any reason to tell Paul he's wrong. I don't have any insight into this whatsoever, except that there are just too many people who do, who continue to talk about it. And for what it's worth, I read you his response earlier today. I, I, don't, I don't have information on this one way or the other, but Dabo, what he most certainly didn't do was say, I'm not interested. I'm not taking that job. His response today was very much along the lines of, that's not even something I'm thinking about which is very different from saying that's not something I'm doing. If he says, I'm not going to coach an NFL team next year definitively, I'll believe him. Until then, I think it feels like a possibility. The college name everyone usually considers is Lincoln Riley. And Oklahoma's gotten off to a bad start this year, and we'll see what winds up happening there. So do I think Dabo winds up the next coach in Houston? I don't. But I do think there's too many people talking about it for there to be nothing to it whatsoever. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. The other situation worth keeping an eye on is Dallas. What a train wreck the Cowboys are. The Cowboys play in the worst division in football. Otherwise, they may be hopelessly buried. 
Not only do they play in the worst division in football, they play in the worst division in recent football memory. By the time it's all said and done, it'll be interesting to see if that division winds up challenging to have the worst winning percentage of any division ever. That's how bad they are. Their defense is so stunningly bad, it's, it's, it's at times difficult to watch with a straight face. And certainly for Cowboy fans, like Hashtag Bubba and, and the millions and millions and millions of others, it has to be a very painful experience to watch. But the question is, just what happens if they don't make the playoffs this year? If the Cowboys don't make the playoffs from this division, if they wind up 5-11, and 11, like they should be winless right now. They should be 0-4. If the Falcons knew how to cover an onside kick, the Dallas Cowboys would be 0-4. They've put up well over 1,000 yards of offense the last two weeks and lost both games. So they, ha- they have some problems. And Keyshawn this morning on KJG was talking about the possibility that if this thing really does go sideways, Mike McCarthy could be one and done in Big D. If they go 6-10 and 10 and miss the playoffs, you, you might start to hear a lot of grumblings about him being replaced already nope. and Jerry Jones swallowing the money and finally saying, I, 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 you know what, I got to cut bait. I got to get the right guy in here to lead the charge. I can't keep trying to find the right guy. I got to just... Hire the right guy. With all that talent that they're supposed to have, with the money that the quarterback is seeking, the money you tied up in the receiver position, the, the money that's at the running back spot and having the offensive line and the linebacker and Smith, like you got everything there. You may want to think about bringing the right guy in to hit the reset button. So the question is, why didn't they hit the reset button last year? The move from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy, and I will give the benefit of the doubt to all the new coaches this year. You didn't have a regular offseason. You didn't have a preseason. I fully understand where it may be more difficult than it would be in another year to implement the new things you want to do. But somehow that doesn't seem to be stopping Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. They've won three straight games. They just beat the Cowboys this weekend. It can be done. I thought they would hit the reset button last year. In fact, I, I don't understand why they didn't. So far, they don't look any different. The move from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy does not seem to be in any way consequential. There's nothing different about this team from last year. Lincoln Riley would have been different. That's the move I've all along thought Jerry wanted to make and still believe he does. Now, they're 0-2 at Oklahoma this year. That's a rough start. We'll see where it goes from there. But if you're going to hire a college coach, that's always the name that I've considered. And could I see the Cowboys making that move? Look, one and duns in the NFL are not unprecedented. It happened a few years ago in Arizona. And despite the fact that they're on a two-game losing streak, that looks as though it was the right move to make. It might be in Dallas as well. We'll see what happens in a few weeks. Again, the Eagles have Pittsburgh and Baltimore the next two weeks. The Cowboys have the Giants and Cardinals. Three weeks from now, they might be in first place. They might look a lot better. And a lot of this conversation may be more quiet. We'll ask Marcus Spears about it, the former Cowboy. He's live next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.